And in just a second, I'm going to invite Eileen to come up to speak to us. We're part of, in part of a mini-series at the moment um, on encountering God face-to-face. And that's part of what we want together as a community, is to have that meeting with God, that close encounter. So I just encourage you um, to open your heart, to listen to... If God's trying to add drama to what I'm saying, I'm not going to argue. Um, to open your heart to what Eileen has to say to us um, and, yeah, to be ready to take it in and to drink deep and to let it then flow out. So, Eileen, would you like to come up? Great. I'm going I'm to talk. Ooh. And Jimmy assures me that if I just talk, it will all calm down eventually. Is that okay? It sounds a bit echoey to me. Yeah. A bit more gravitas. It's me. Okay, right, I've got a really simple task this morning. Uh, my my uh, brief was people meeting God. Now, the whole of this book, the Bible, is the story of God wanting people to meet him. It starts in a garden with Adam and Eve seeing him face to face, walking with him intimately, um, no distractions. Then it all goes horribly wrong because disobedience, murder, sin, awful stuff comes into the world. And God keeps walking with his people. He keeps trying to make it possible for them to get close to him. And they keep, sometimes they get it right, sometimes they get it wrong, sometimes they get it right. And that's the whole of the Old Testament is that story. And then God, in an incarnate human form, breaks into human history in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, who came, who lived, who died on the cross, and who rose again on Easter morning for us, uh, to bring about a way for us to connect with God again, face to face, up close and personal. And the whole of the New Testament is the story of uh, Jesus his death and his resurrection. And when he went back to sit down in heaven at the right hand of his father, God, he left behind the Holy Spirit. The three persons of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And God makes it possible for anybody, any of his children, to be up close and personal, to know his presence by the power of his Holy Spirit. So in a nutshell, that's it. But I'm not just going to sit down and shut up. (laughs) You've got 15 minutes worth of me. And then we've got three people who are going to talk uh, about their their experience of getting close to Father God. We've got uh, Simon Jackman, who's on the leadership team here. We've got Ruth Hetler, who uh, with Paul is currently living and working in the south of France. And we've got Kathy Jones, who this afternoon is flying back to Mozambique. Uh, to carry on their work with Iris Ministries over there. So if anybody wants to grab Kathy at the end of the meeting and pray uh, before she goes, that would be great. So I made a choice, okay, rightly or wrongly, you may like it or not, I made a choice that what I was going to do was look at three individuals in the Old Testament and how they encountered God. I haven't taken any stories from the New Testament. There are dozens. I, I could literally talk all day, but I'm not going to. And then I'm going to let people talk about present time encounterings with Jesus. And I hope what I managed to accomplish is that we look 
at the people, what they were like, what the encounter with God looked like and how it changed them and how we can apply that to ourselves. That's my plan. Now, when I was growing up, there used to be, I'm very old, uh, there used to be a, pro, a, a thing on the television called Children's Hour. Who remembers Children's Hour? Oh, fantastic. And there used to be a lady on Children's Hour called Daphne Oxenford. Remember Daphne Oxenford? And she used to do this thing called uh, Listen with Mother. And she had a terribly nice voice. And she always used to, she read stories, and she always used to start off saying, are you sitting comfortably? So this morning is a morning of stories, and you may have a few pictures to help you, but it's a story morning. So are you sitting comfortably? Then I'll begin. I'll begin with the story of Sarah and Abraham. Now, uh, Abraham was, what are you saying? Am I back on? Great. Thank you. Um, Abraham was around in the Old Testament. Uh, He was a guy who God chose. I said, I want you to move house. I want you to pick up everything you've got. I want you to move house. I want you to follow where I'm telling you to go. And I'm going to take you to a land that is going to be just for you and your people. You are going to be special. You are going to be important to me. And what's more, Abraham, I'm going to give you a son. Now, Abraham and his wife got older and older and older and older, and still no son came along, and biology took its course, and things that happened for ladies stopped happening, and she got to the stage where she was about 90, and quite honestly, it was fairly ridiculous, humanly speaking, that she was ever going to have a child. Uh, She was a very, very beautiful woman, and Abraham and his wife tried all sorts of tricks to maybe do God's job for him, which we don't need to go into, and they all came to a sticky end. And then we get to the passage that I just want to read this morning, okay? And the reference is up there. So the Lord appeared to Abraham by the oaks of Murray as he sat at the door of his tent. Abraham was a nomad, lived in a tent in the desert. He lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of him. Now this was siesta time, He was sitting out the door of his tent, just about ready to nod off. And maybe he had nodded off a bit, because suddenly he looked up, and three men seemed to appear from nowhere. And he saw them and ran from the tent door, bowed down before them, and said, Oh, Lord, if I've found favor in your sight, don't pass by your servant. Now, the word used there for Lord is the word that the Old Testament uses for Father God. So Abraham is beginning to get a bit of an inkling right from the get-go that these visitors are special. They're not just people wandering about the desert going for a walk. And he then goes to Sarah, his wife. He went quickly into the tent to Sarah and said, quick, get flour, make bread. Ran to the guy in charge of all his, uh, his animals and said, kill a really tender, good-looking bull and get a meal prepared for them. Now, Sarah would have been inside the tent because in this culture, as in many cultures in the world today, she would not be out where she might encounter men who were not men of her household. Now, these three guys were not ordinary guys. And uh, 
as I've already said, the Hebrew there and the way that um, Abraham bows down and worships them, they were actually messengers sent from God. And in fact, the thinking is that uh, one of the three was an incarnation of the Lord Jesus before he'd actually been born and walked the earth in his, in his lifetime. And that occurs several times in the Old Testament. When God touches earth and becomes incarnate, he, he takes the form of the Lord Jesus Christ. So Abraham is meeting them. They really come to talk to Sarah. See, God, God had already chatted to Abraham a little while before, and he said, Abraham, you're going to have a son. I want you to call his name Isaac. And it seems that Abraham hadn't passed the message on. Now, put your hand up if you've got a husband who doesn't pass on information. Right? Mine's in the air, okay? Did I forget to tell you that so-and-so's God engaged, had a baby, you know, Abraham seemed to have forgotten to tell Sarah that God had told him they were going to have a child called Isaac. And um, what happens as this story goes on, while they're sitting eating, um, they said to Abraham, where's Sarah, your wife? And he said, she's inside the tent. And then the Lord said, that's Jesus, I'm going to come back this time next year and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now, Sarah was listening at the tent door, because what woman would not be listening at the tent door? Okay? Let's be truthful. Um, she, she and Abraham were old, and she laughed to herself. That inside sort of laughing you do. And she said, I'm worn out, and my Lord's old. Shall I now have that pleasure? But you see, Jesus didn't hear. She thought it, but he heard her thoughts. God is so close. He knows our thoughts. And he said, um, why did Sarah laugh? Is anything too hard for the Lord? And Sarah said, oh, oh, I didn't laugh, really. Well, technically, she didn't laugh out loud. She laughed inwardly. Um, and God told, uh, had told them that their son would be called Isaac. And that's a bit of a play on words because Isaac means he laughed. There's a sort of play going around on those words. So they had really come to talk to Sarah inside the tent because they knew she'd be listening. Now, what were Abraham and Sarah like? Well, Abraham, Abraham was eager to greet these men. He was generous. He ran out. Men of his age in the Middle East didn't run. It was beneath their dignity. He ran to meet the strangers. He didn't just get a little bit of bread and a few crackers, a bit of cheese. He got the best. He made white bread, which was really expensive, and one of the, the best cows. He gave them the best. He was generous. And, but Sarah, Sarah was worn out. She said, I'm worn out. Long-held disappointment wears us out. She was 90, and she longed for a child. She had long-held disappointment in her heart. And the outcome for these two, the outcome for these two was that God met them and blessed them. He blessed them with the fact that he understood where their hearts were, that he was close enough to know their thoughts, 
And ultimately, he did bless them with a son, which is not always the outcome, I know, for people who have hoped for that. So what's it got to teach us? Well, how we come to God, how we posture ourselves before God, I wonder if that affects how much we feel his presence, how close we are to him. There's a book, which I think is by Bill Johnson, called Hosting His Presence. And it talks about what can we do uh, individually and corporately. What does it look like to make it so that God will feel comfortable? To call him in, say, come, come, come and sit with me. Jesus said he wants to come and sit and eat with us. That's what he wants. And I think maybe day by day, we could start the day inviting the Holy Spirit, saying, Holy Spirit, please be with me today. Please let me feel that you're with me today. Please let me hear your voice. Um, And corporately, when we come together, when we prayed this morning, Al just invited the Holy Spirit to be here, to be comfortable, to be in charge. And to have a generosity of giving our best. I'm not very good at this. I need, I need to confess. I'm not, you know, I'm not very good at giving God my best time. My best time can go on lots of other things. Can we give God our best like Abraham did? And we can tell God when we're worn out. If we've got long-held disappointment in our heart, we can tell him and be sure that he hears And that he wants to come close to us in our long-held disappointment. And in the things we whisper in our hearts, he wants to be close. And he will change something. It might not be exactly what we want, but he will change something. My second story is about a man called Jacob. Now, Jacob... uh, the bit that we're going to read about. Jacob was on his way. Chris, can we have Jacob? (laughs) Pay attention. (laughs) Thank you. Jacob was on his way to meet his brother Esau. Now, Jacob and his brother didn't exactly see eye to eye. Jacob was a trickster and a twister and a deceiver and a ducker and a diver. Uh, He was not straightforward. He'd spent most of his life wrestling with people to get the upper hand and trying to trick them into uh, giving him what he wanted. He, tr- he tricked his own father into giving him the blessing that should have gone to Esau, his older brother. He was a trickster. And he's just about to meet his brother for the first time since all of this happened. And he's quite honestly scared witless. Quite, quite rightly, because he doesn't know what his brother's going to do. Uh, and he's set up a very intricate system of presents to sort of bribe him. But um, the night before he's actually going to cross over the river and meet his brother, something interesting happens to him. Um, right, let me just find my verse. So that night, oh no, sorry, uh, Jacob sent everybody else across the river. He stayed the other side by himself. 
And a man appeared from nowhere again. There's a bit of a theme here. When men appear from nowhere, we, we maybe get a clue. And he wrestled with Jacob, physical wrestling, until the breaking of the day. So all night. When the man saw that he couldn't prevail against Jacob, he touched him in the socket of his hip and dislocated it. And then he said, let me go. What is your name? And Jacob said, Jacob. And the man said to him, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and have prevailed. And Jacob said, tell me your name. And the man said, why are you asking my name? And then he blessed Jacob. Now, Jacob was wrestling with God. He was wrestling, again, probably with a pre-incarnate form of Jesus. A strange thing, isn't it, to think that God would have a wrestling match with a guy. You see, God had to show Jacob something. (laughs) Sorry, I just noticed my husband's putting the timings up on his... Sorry. God had to show Jacob that he had wrestled with the wrong people for the wrong reasons for the whole of his life. He wanted him to wrestle God for a blessing... And that changed him forever. It changed his name from Twister. It changed his name. And by implication, it changed his nature. Um, And he was marked for life. He limped for the rest of his life. A limp is a sign of humility. I used to know a great preacher called Bob Mumford who said, never trust somebody who doesn't walk with a limp. Never trust leaders who don't walk with a limp was actually what he said. Never trust people who don't have humility. So what's God after in us? He isn't after self-effort. He really isn't. We don't have to try to see how we can manipulate things so we get the blessings for ourselves. But he might want us to do some wrestling with him. What does wrestling with God look like? I don't know. Different for all of us. It might be fasting sometimes. It might be getting out those spiritual disciplines and blowing the dust off. Praying, reading your Bible. Silence, solitude, fasting, retreat. Wrestling with God, saying, God, I know you're there. And I know you want to bless me. And I ain't moving till you do. When I first started speaking in tongues, which is a language that the Holy Spirit gives us, I, knelt, I did a rash day. I knelt down by the bed and I said, I'm not getting up till you give me tongues. Which was tricky because I could have been there for weeks. But God listened and I got one tiny little phrase that I just kept saying over and over and over again. And I felt like my whole inside had exploded with joy. Uh, maybe that was my little bit of wrestling with the Lord. And finally, I'm doing okay. Let's look at the story of Samuel. Now, Samuel was a young, a young boy. Uh, his mother had uh, prayed and prayed and prayed earnestly that she would have a son. She had the boy Samuel. She dedicated Samuel to God's work. And when he was weaned, when he was about two, she took him to actually live and work with a priest called Eli. Strange child care. Social services would have had something to say about it. But it worked in the culture at the time. It wasn't unusual at the time. So he was a young man. He'd been brought up with religious observance all his life. He'd gone through the motions. He'd done the stuff. 
But he'd never actually encountered God. He'd never met God until this particular night. Uh, so Samuel was sleeping, and he was sleeping sort of in like the sanctuary of the church. It'd be a bit like him sort of sleeping down here, I suppose. Uncomfortable, but there you go. And God called him in an audible voice and said, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, here I am, and ran off to Eli, the elderly man he was uh, learning from. And Eli said, no, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. You know what it's like when the kids come in? We had a little visit from our granddaughter in the middle of the night. He got confused about where we were all sleeping last night. Turned up, little knock at the door. So Samuel goes to sleep, and again God calls him, Samuel, Samuel. And he, he sits up and goes, here I am, back to Eli again. And Eli goes, no, goodness sake, go back to bed. And it happens a third time. And the third time Eli goes, just a minute. <laughs> Duh. I, think, I think this might be God. And says, if it happens again, go back and say, speak, Lord, uh, for your servant hears you. Uh, and so Samuel heard the voice of God. He connected with God in his own right for the very first time. He was young. He was brought up with religion. He didn't recognize God's voice. But as the outcome of this, he learned to hear God's voice for himself. And he went on to be uh, what we call a prophet, a person who hears from God and speaks it out. Now, what can we learn from that for us? Well, the most important thing, those of you who know me know I'm absolutely passionate about this, is that children and young people hear the voice of God. Do not ignore them. Three and up, I think you can, you can listen to your children and they will hear the voice of God and they will have the word of God into a family. And I've seen it happen time and time and time again. Is God speaking to us? You see, Samuel didn't recognize it. Maybe we don't ever feel we've been particularly close with God or he's never spoken to us that closely. Maybe he's actually speaking and we need somebody to help us. It was Eli who said, no, that's God, Samuel. You know, we have a system of personal pastors in in our church, people who walk alongside us. And I've had people say to me in the past, oh, I never hear from God. Well, I had this thought the other day and I go, that was God. And I go, well, I had this kind of impression in my mind of a picture. And I go, that was God. You're hearing, and they go, am, am, I hearing, am I hearing from God? And sometimes we need somebody to help us. And if we're living life with God and it feels like going through the motions, just doing the stuff, individually or corporately, he doesn't want it to be like that. So get with him and say, God, I'm just going through the motions. I need to hear your voice again. I really do need to hear your voice and I was particularly struck for our young people some of whom are in you know Samuel was there where he was because of his mother's passion for God and there had to be a time when it became his passion for God and for all of us who have grown up with parents who are passionate that we get to know God we have to have a crossover when it becomes ours and do that okay I've run out of time. That's, that's not a problem. Um, I just wanted to say that every time we connect with God, like the people in these stories, every time we connect with God, we're changed. 
But do you know what? We leak. I'm like a, I'm like a sieve. I leak every day. And so I need to keep connecting with God to keep changing me. I was once sat in a case conference with three children who'd all been adopted into the same family from very, very bad circumstances. And they were having quite a lot of trouble in school. And the clinical psychologist said, you have to understand these children have constructed a view of the world which is bad and it will never go away. All we can do is construct an alternative one and teach them how to choose it. And we're adopted into God's family when we have a relationship with Jesus. We've come out of an old family. And every day, we have to make the choice to choose to believe that God wants to be very, very close to us. God wants to speak to us. So I want to hear three people we've got who are going to tell their story now. And then I'll pop back for just a short bit. So Simon, could we start with you and then Ruth and then Kathy? Hi, I'm Simon. I thought I would share with you an encounter I had with God about three years ago. And a number of us have been through a course of praying through things from their past called Restoring the Foundations. And I was uh, praying with a couple who uh, are specialists in that and able to pray through things. And we got to a point in that time where... We were just asking God if there was anything he wanted to do in my life um, about things in the past. And a picture came up to my mind as we're praying. So I'm sitting there with my eyes closed. We're just praying. picture came to my mind of my bedroom when I was a child. And I can still remember the vivid turquoise blue wallpaper. I don't know why it was that sort of vivid color, but it was. And I was sitting there on the bed next with the window just uh, beside me and it was the day when my mother died and so I was 12 and my dad was sitting next to me and telling me that my mum had died and well you can imagine the sort of feelings of someone at that age sort of all sorts of things going through your mind at that point in time and we just you know, sat with that for a few minutes and were praying and just asking God what he wanted to do. And at that moment, I saw Jesus's face looking at me. And it was as though his eyes were just in front of me, looking directly at me. And I could see in his eyes the pain that I felt. And I could see in his eyes the sadness of that moment for me. I could see in his eyes his own compassion for me and for what it was like for me at that moment in time. Um, I can still see an impression of those eyes, you know. And this was me, I'm nearly 50, so this was me when I was 12. So this is a long time in the past, and yet it was still as though it happened that moment for me. And I just felt God, Jesus didn't, he didn't have to actually say anything. It was just like he was there, and I was there, and it was enough. And interestingly, it felt like a weight of grief lifted off me then. I actually 
physically went almost like this because it was as though a grief had been there in my life, buried really for 30 odd years. And Jesus in that moment just lifted that grief and, and it's gone and it's not there anymore. And I, in that encounter, he just took away all of that. And I'm just left with that image of his eyes looking at me like that, which is a really good image for me. Um, So I just wanted to share that with you as something that he's done in my life, but also something that he can do in other people's lives as well. And even if the thing was a very long time ago, it's still Jesus is capable of touching us about anything at any time. Hi, I'm Ruth. Um, I just wanted to talk about a season that um, we had, Paul and I, in our lives about three years ago. Um, It was a very intense season. It was a season where there was testing. It was a season of pressure. It was a season of pain, of questioning, of disappointment, of busyness, a lot of busyness, and um, of responsibility. And um, this season meant that there wasn't a lot of room in my life. There wasn't much space in my life to spend hours and hours in reading the Bible, to spend hours and hours um, even with people. It was an intense, pressured time. And I knew in that season that I had to find God. I knew that if I didn't find God in this season then what was it for? What was my relationship with him for? I knew that I had to encounter him. And what did that look like? What did that look like in that season of our lives? Um, And during that season, encountering God wasn't very pretty. (laughs) It meant just getting through the day. It meant still being married to my husband It meant not screaming at my kids. Um, It meant going to work and doing a good job and getting home at the end of the day. That is what encountering God looked like. And I knew that I had a choice. So for me, I had to find very practical ways, very physical, just I'm that kind of person where I have to find tangible ways Um, to represent like the season I'm in. I don't know if that makes sense to some of you. So I found three things that really helped me in that time and that have actually set, um, kind of set a, a foundation really for different periods of our lives and different seasons of intensity and of, of busyness that we've had since. The first one was worship. I had almost constant worship going on in the house from when I woke up till when I went to bed, just would put um, Groove Shark, as it was back then, doesn't exist anymore. Um, You know, I'd put the iPod on, I'd put worship on. So I knew that was the backdrop of my day. That was the sound. When I was in the car, a CD would go on. That was the sound throughout my day, was worship was the presence of God, the goodness of God. This is who he is. This is who he is. Even if I couldn't say it or speak it to myself, it was there. It was present and it was constant. 
Um, the second thing that I had visually was scriptures. So I stuck scriptures um, on the fridge or inside the cupboard of the kitchen doors, um, just verses that I could read and remind myself, this is who God is. This is who he is. I might not feel it, <laughs> but this is who he is. This is who he is. And the third thing I had was prophetic photographs stuck on my fridge. I had a photograph of um, kids in Africa because that is, is on our heart. And we were in a season of real brokenness of not knowing, not knowing what life would look like. I had a picture, a photograph of a mountain in France where we used to live, where we live again now that, um, that Paul has climbed. And um, it's beautiful. Um, and I had that in front of me every day because I felt like I was climbing that mountain. But it was a place of beauty as well. I had other photos that represented um, and symbolized different things for me. So just those three things, worship, scripture, and for me, prophetic photographs were like the backdrop of, um, of my life during that season and meant that I could find God, that I could encounter him, and that it was actually a choice. I don't know that it always is. I'm just saying for me in that season that it was a choice to, 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 I knew I had to find him and I did, but it wasn't, it wasn't loud. It wasn't dramatic. It wasn't, I didn't feel a whole lot, but I knew that he was there and I knew that his presence and the phrase I had this morning while we were in worship was sustaining presence, that it's the sustaining presence of God. It's the sustaining presence of God it's the sustaining presence of God. And there's a United Pursuit song that says, my heart, I can't remember the lyrics, but it's something like, my heart in you has a home. And I felt like that was for some of us this morning, that our heart in him has a home. Our heart always has a home, and it's in him. Wow, thanks, Ruth. Because God really does want to meet with us. And so we need to really know how, don't we? And I love how God is so practical. And so um, a while ago, I had been um, praying that I would be able to overflow with the Lord all the time. And because um, we know when we are and we know when we're not, don't we? And um, I was like, Lord, how could I be like a stick of rock that whatever way you cut me, it'd be like your love was all the way through it. And um, I, was I was praying because I, I would find that I worked at Cumnor School um, before I went to Mozambique. And sometimes I would be in a meeting and I get to the end of the meeting and I think, I didn't even think about God. And... Um, I, I was quite upset because I want God to be here. I want God to be um, just overflowing from me. And um, I heard this, uh, a friend of mine speaking uh, at a conference, and she had been very seriously ill. And so the doctor had prescribed, it was some Christian doctors in Germany, and they'd prescribed for her to get a buzzer, 
have it in her pocket and make the buzzer go off every 10 minutes. And every 10 minutes she had to stop whatever she was doing and give thanks. And um, her testimony was what an incredible impact that had, just stopping what she was doing every 10 minutes. So I thought, I could do that. And I actually went, I've got my buzzer over there. I went and bought a buzzer and put it in my pocket. And this was back in 2011, and I set it to go off every 10 minutes. And uh, I couldn't always stop what I was doing if I was teaching a class. Excuse me, children. I'm just going to give thanks to the Lord. But, you know, there are ways because... (laughs) The buzzer would go off and it would just, either I would just kind of take a step back, like a prophetic step back and say, Lord, I'm leaning into you. Or it's like what you become aware of, you can release. So it would make me think, yeah, Jesus, you're here. That's what it was for me. I, I wanted to just know that he's right here and that everything I was doing was unto him and pleasing him. And, uh, and it's what, what happened was, uh, after um, a few months, I began to anticipate the buzzer. I'd get there before the buzzer and think, right, yeah, Lord, you're here, you're with me. And then he'd, he'd say to me, ask me where I am. And I'd be in a meeting with parents, and often I was in special educational needs. And then I would imagine him sitting there around the table with us. And, you know, it, we carry the presence of God Don't underestimate what you carry. And so I would think, Jesus, you're here. I'm carrying your presence. And I would just, in my mind, declare a a shift in the atmosphere. And let's let's get things moving around this table. Let's get breakthrough for these children. Um, So nowadays, you can put it on your, have a buzzer on your phone. So it's really easy. I find it's almost been a bit like Pavlov's dog in that I don't need the buzzer at all now. I pretty much, um, wherever I am, I'm aware of God. When I get on the airplane straight away, thank you, Lord, you're here. Welcome your presence, Holy Spirit, because I just want him to be with me. And I want to know him and and release him wherever I am. Um, And my prayer pretty much every day is, Holy Spirit, can you choreograph my day? I know he does it so much better than me. And he gets the timing right. He, he tells me to, this happened just yesterday. I needed to get the bus. And I thought, do I go to that bus stop or that one? Holy Spirit. <laughs> I may as well ask. And, um, <laughs> and I went to the Castle Street one and there was the bus. And just little things like that. Holy Spirit, can you choreograph every moment of my day? And just to finish... Uh, with that, you know the principle that uh, if you sow a thought, you reap an action. And if you sow an action, you reap a habit. If you sow a habit, you reap an attitude. If you sow an attitude, you reap a lifestyle or some say character. And, and you know, my heart for, for us all is that we just are walking in step with Jesus. How can we do that day in, day out, 24-7? But it's not just we're having a good day. Every day can be a day when we're walking closely with the Holy Spirit. And uh, he wants it so much more than we do, really. 
His thoughts towards us outnumber the grains of sand. He's always thinking about us. I want to always be thinking about him and what's he doing, what's he saying. I'll stop. Brilliant. I could actually have listened to either Simon, Ruth, or Kathy all day, but there you go. So, lots of different things, but I think hopefully we all realize that God wants to, us to know his presence because he loves us very much. What we're going to do now is we're going to get a bit of chance to respond. Uh, we're going to break bread first of all, and Al's going to lead that. So, if you're in a relationship with the Lord Jesus, you know him, you love him, then be happy to partake in that. If you'd rather just sit, just let things go by, that's fine too. Uh, what I felt was I was thinking about people, things that might be going on. We might be angry. We might have unforgiveness in our hearts. We might just be bored. We might find this whole thing with Jesus boring. We might be disappointed. We might be full of self-effort. We might have a childlike openness to God. We might have a faith that we've inherited from our parents. We've never made our own. We might be full of joy and generosity. But wherever we are, I think God wants to meet us. So when we've broken bread, I suggest um, Josh, and, Josh and the others are going to come do some singing. You could come to the front, get people to pray with you. You could find a space anywhere you like. Just talk to God. You could talk to any of the three people who've spoken, if anything particular has just leapt out. You could just sit where you are. But we're going to take a little bit of time to get a bit intentional with God and his presence. Maybe we should just think of some practical things we could do this week. The buzzers, the worship tapes, the pictures, uh, the various things that we've heard. But God wants us to be people who meet him because he's more than ready to meet us.